Welcome to the Open Door Church podcast. Our prayer is that you will be encountered and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and challenged by the word of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and stir faith as you listen to this week's message. Amen. All right. Well, it's good to always be in Pagosa. Always good to be here. This is uh, my favorite site, my favorite spot to go to in Pagosa. <laughs> so you guys didn't know that, that it was a tourist attraction, but it is for me. <laughs> um, so uh, let us, let's pray. And um, I'm excited to share the word of God with us. Uh, Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for this body of believers God, that uh, they're united not just together in this building, but with a, with a host of other believers across this world who have chosen to follow Christ. And God, what a beautiful picture that is, that you've raised up a church to not be a weak and dying church, but to be a church that's powerful and effective in this world and in this community. I believe that there's no powerful or greater force than a church that's full of the Holy Spirit declaring the gospel of Jesus and so, Lord, I pray today, God, that you would encourage us as believers to make the Great Commission our life's passion. Lord, that you'd fill us with a holy fire to fulfill the Great Commission, to see lives changed, to see people discipled and transformed, God. I just thank you, God, for the work that you've been doing in our hearts at Red Mountain just this past week, for the men that you touched in a powerful way. And, Lord, we're believing for you to continue to touch our families and to touch each person in this room. God, I pray right now that no, no power, no authority of Satan would, would, would cause any division or cause any distraction right here and now. God, that you'd break every distraction of Satan, that you would destroy every work of the devil. In Jesus' name, we just, we just pray that you'd bind the enemy's hands from harming our hearts or our lives or our families, and that the word of God would be preached in power and effectiveness by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you, God, when we trust you. We thank you that yours is the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and tongue confess that you are Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Lord, I pray that you take the words that are shared this morning and teach us to put them into practice. We love you, Lord. God, truly, God, what we need today is you. God, we need to hear from you, Lord. And could we just for a second um, just begin to ask the Lord to prepare our hearts and just wait on him for a moment? God, we want our hearts to be ready to hear from you. God, open our, our hearts, Holy Spirit, to hear and to be transformed. Give us ears to hear. Love you, Lord. We want our hearts open to you today. Open to your word. Open to your truth, Lord. You said, Jesus, that all, all those who, who stand on the side of truth listen to you. And so, God, that's what we want to do this morning. We listen to Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I, I wanted to share a message that I've uh, entitled, An Ambassador in Chains. And uh, this, this message is going to focus on the life of Paul. And uh, several months back, Christian and I were traveling to a church on the east side of, of South Dakota. And as we were driving there, Christian just mentioned that, uh, that he could tell what belonged to Grandpa because... Uh, it, it all had some sort of coffee stain on it, right? Not like he's a slob, not like he's got coffee all over his shirt and stuff, but like you go in his garage and he, he loves coffee, so he's always got his little tumbler of coffee and there's a coffee stain on, on his coffee maker, his all different, you know, just a few different things. And it, it just struck me as kind of funny, like, you know, that's kind of true, you know, in his work van, he's got his coffee and everywhere he goes. So you can kind of, you kind of see the mark of grandpa wherever he goes, right? And, uh, but, you know, I, I it got to thinking that 
in the life of Paul, we see some very distinctive marks that I believe that God wants us to, to observe and to put into practice in ourselves. Uh, so I wanted to look at five marks of Paul's life that I believe that every Christian should be str- striving toward. Uh, as I talk about Paul, I want us to remember that Paul was not just a, uh, he wasn't uh, superhuman, right? Paul wasn't just uh, an angel, right? He wasn't above sin. He wasn't above all the human temptations. He was a man. And if we don't gain that perspective, I think we'll just think, oh, Paul just was supernatural and somehow God, you know, and the truth is Paul was a man that that surrendered his life to Jesus and was full of the Holy Spirit and God used in a powerful way. And this morning, I believe that God wants to fill us so that we can be effective and powerful as well. Does that make sense? So let's look at uh, at five distinctive marks of Paul's life. Um, First of all, I... I want us to turn to Ephesians 6, 19, and it's going to be on the screen for you as well. But this is what Paul says. He says, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The book of Ephesians, along with, um, along with the book of of Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon were written while Paul was under house arrest. He was under house arrest in Rome, and we call those books his prison epistles. And Paul uh, wrote, from, wrote those books to encourage the believers. And what's crazy is you read the book of Philippians, and all I see in that book is joy. And I'm thinking, he's writing this while imprisoned, and yet he's encouraging the believers to take heart and to have joy. It's just pretty, pretty amazing. He also wrote, what I didn't understand before researching this is that he also wrote another book from prison. Um, and uh, I do actually remember uh, Pastor Dwight preaching a message from Second Timothy. So I thought he probably wrote another book from um, prison, and that was the book of Second Timothy. But the book of 2 Timothy was written not under house arrest, but, but written while he was a prisoner in a cold dungeon under uh, the emperor Nero, who was very much against Christianity, very much persecuting the church. And, but we still see Paul's tenacity in making sure to proclaim the gospel. He was an ambassador, whether he was chained or he was traveling the countryside of Asia Minor, he was committed to making sure that the gospel was being preached. And I entitled this message An Ambassador in Change because Paul didn't let any excuse keep him from declaring the gospel. Paul wouldn't allow himself to say, okay, I'm chained, I'm good, I've I done what I could, right? Paul still wrote almost, mo- you know, he, he, we have most of the New Testament because of his dedication to sharing the gospel. So the first mark that I see in Paul's life is that Paul had a commitment to go and proclaim the gospel. Paul just had a fearless commitment to go and proclaim the gospel. And let's, listen to what he says in Romans 15, 18 through 20. He says this, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. By the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Paul took four missionary journeys in his lifetime. And according to earlychurchhistory.org, in in Paul's ministry, he covered by land and sea about 10,000 miles. 
10,000 miles. You know, some of us at Red Mountain, we could barely walk a quarter of a mile. <laughs> I mean, some of you guys are way better than I was. I was like dragging a sled like, it's like 15 feet. Let's stop, Christian. I'm tired, <laughs> right? But Paul had this commitment that, no, people need to hear Jesus. And let me tell you something real quick. Um, I'm going to get to this later too, but I think it's important to understand now. Um, when I said Paul was a human, a man just like us, he also was a man with a past. Paul uh, was a, he was very zealous for the Jewish law, and yet and he he thought Christians were were wrong, so he would drag them away to prison. He would give consent to their death. He was actually there at the stoning of Stephen when we read in the book of Acts, and it said that the people were laying their clothes at the foot of a man named Saul, who later became Paul. So Paul was a man with a past. Not only was he just a human like us, but he also had a past. How many of you guys feel like you have a past? I know that I do. I know that there's still days where I think, man, I wish I never would have done A, B, and C, right? But nonetheless, his life was changed by Jesus, and he just became passionate about following Christ and making him known. The second commitment that I see in Paul's life is that Paul had a commitment to make disciples. He had a commitment to make disciples. Three of Paul's letters were written to two different men that Paul was discipling. First is Timothy, whom Paul calls his true son in the faith. And a second disciple Paul writes a letter to is Titus, whom he addresses as my true son in our common faith. These are not the only two men that Paul shares such a bond with. In other letters written to the churches, Paul names individuals that he's obviously been a spiritual mentor to or a co-laborer with. Uh, You see that all throughout different letters that he's written. The letters to individuals and the churches in different regions testify to Paul's great concern for the continued discipleship and growth of all believers. So do you see a theme in these first two points? Paul had a commitment to go, and his second, he had a commitment to make disciples. What does that sound like? What Jesus said, the great commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and make disciples. Man, we see that all throughout Paul's life, his obedience to that. Um, today, I want to kind of help demystify what it means to share the gospel and what it means to make disciples. So often, I feel like when you say, I, I can tell you, hey, we're all called to share the gospel. And I think all of us would nod and agree. Yeah, yeah, I'm called to tell someone about Jesus. But sometimes I think not, we may think, oh, I'm not called to make a disciple, right? Because that sounds like you got to have a lot of training. You got to be like, super awesome. You never make mistakes. You never yell at your kids. You never f- fall short. Your wife thinks you're the, she almost worships the ground you walk on. If that were true, I wouldn't be standing here right now. <laughs> the truth is, to, to share the gospel means simply sharing this message of Jesus that he came to this earth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, for the sin of the entire world, and rose again from the dead, and that all who put their hope and trust and faith in him will have eternal life, right? That's, an easy, that's the message of the gospel in a nutshell. And to make a disciple is, is doing what Paul called us to do. This is what Paul said. He says this in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1, he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. He didn't say, I am the Christ, imitate me. He said, imitate the way that I live as I strive to live like Christ. He's not perfect, right? Paul's not perfect. And in the same way, God calls us to do the very same thing. As a believer in Christ, 
We become discipled by coming to church, by, by, coming, by uh, surrounding ourselves with godly individuals so that you can grow and learn in your faith. And then eventually, you also say, hey, uh, you know, you talk to your, your friend or your, someone that you know that you know is a believer in Christ. You say, why don't you come over and hang out? Let's, let's go, uh, you know, let's uh, go shooting or go, you know, fishing or go to the mall for, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but whatever it is. We bring them alongside, and then we begin to bring up the conversation. How are you doing with reading your Bible? How are you doing with praying? How are you doing with walking with Jesus? So the great, I, I've shared this before, but Pastor Nate and I have a common, uh, a big thing in common, more than snowboarding, and uh, it, is that we, ha- we were both had the same youth pastor. You know, Pastor Josh was the youth pastor here when I was growing up, and my life was changed. Uh, as I kind of sat under their ministry, and the same with Pastor Nate. He has a similar experience. And what my youth pastors did for me was that they taught me that Jesus, one, had to be Lord of my life. Not just my friend that helps me get out of, helps me on a math test that I haven't studied for, right? But he's to be Lord. I'm supposed to follow him and, and serve him with all my heart, right? But what they did is they discipled me. I can remember going over to Pastor Josh's house, probably more than any kid should be at someone else's house, and we would hang out. We'd play some video games. Uh, we built potato guns, I think, at one time, um, and he even, I remember, he just taught me things in life, but then he would say, hey, why don't we read the Bible? He'd open the Bible, and we'd read, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? I'm like, I think, I don't know, <laughs> you know, and then we talked through it, and he just began to imitate what it looked like to live for Jesus in day-to-day living, right? I, I think we desperately need to have this understanding of how do I live for Jesus outside of the church? What does it look like? So I believe that being a disciple is not just coming on a Sunday and then be like, oh, that was good, I like that, and then leaving and living contrary to the Word of God. We need men and women who are willing to stand up, bring someone alongside them and say, this is what it looks like to live for Jesus in everyday life. We need that so desperately because we, all we have sometimes are examples of just coming to church, doing, praising God, worshiping, and then leaving. We need to see men and women who are full of the Holy Spirit discipling others which it doesn't mean that you, if you come to our house, what you're going to probably see and hear is sometimes chaos, right? Sometimes kids run around screaming and having fun. But you'll also see that we have a commitment to read the Bible and to pray and, and, and have fun and go on hikes or whatever. You know what I mean? We're not just, as believers in Christ, we're not just going to be at our house kneeling for 24 hours a day, right? And you walk in, you're like, What's up with the candles and prayer? Like, what's, you know what I mean? Really, it's walking this faith life in Christ in the day-to-day. You know, I appreciate what Gary said uh, while we were up at Red Mountain. He said, I try to commune with God all throughout the day. You know, and he even gave an example, if that's okay with it, that I share. You know, his son said that he, he, he heard a, pe- a preacher say, oh, you can't pray all the time. And he said, I thought of you, Dad. Is that what he said? that he, his dad would be praying as they're building or, or working on stuff. That's what it looks like to make a disciple, is you just demonstrate, I love Jesus, and he comes first in our family, and I'm not going to be apologetic for it, but I'm also going to live life intentional to be a light wherever I go. Whether it's constructing a house or working at my job, I'm not going to compromise the gospel. I'm going to be a light wherever I go but I also understand that there's work to be done, right? I'm not just going to stay at my house and pray for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
There's got to be prayer. There's got to be Bible reading. And there's got to be a commitment to live for Christ wherever we go. So that's what it looks like to kind of model Christ. I, I took a lot of time on that. Um, but I just want to encourage you. You can make a disciple if you'll first allow yourself to be a disciple. You come underneath someone you say, I know I need to grow. But don't let yourself believe that 10 years from now, you still got to grow in your faith. If you've been committed to Christ and faithful, man, start making a disciple, you know, start bringing someone else alongside you. You're probably more ready than you ever think. The third commitment that I see in Paul's life is that he had a commitment to preach the gospel in the face of opposition. I, I already said it, but Paul called himself an ambassador in chains. Because he knew, I don't care where I am, as I'm called to preach the gospel. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty six through 29 highlight, highlights Paul's commitment. He says, I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? Paul was, like I said, the only way that anyone could endure that is that they were supernaturally empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's what God offers to every one of us as a believer is he gives us endurance and strength through the Holy Spirit. Paul relied on the Holy Spirit, and that's the only way I believe that you can get through rivers and bandits and all these things is because the Holy Spirit is greater in you, greater power and strength and passion in you than what's being, a, being on the outward attack. Does it make sense? So Paul had this great commitment to preach in the face of opposition. Let me remind us today in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20, the Bible calls us an ambassador for Christ. Not just Paul, not just the disciples, but us. He says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This message of Jesus coming to the earth, dying on the cross for the sin of the world, and rising again was committed to you and me. Jesus is not still walking the planet, right, in, in human form. We can't fly to Jerusalem and see Jesus and sit at his feet and talk to him. You know what? That's why Jesus said this, I must go away because if I don't, the Holy Spirit won't come. But if I go away, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I will send the Holy Spirit to you. That's why when Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, wait for the promise of my Father, it's not enough to just know the message. You got to have the power. And we read in the book of Acts, in Acts 1 8, it says this that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That wasn't just for the disciples, that was for us as believers here and now. If we want to do the things that Paul did, 
We just simply call on the Holy Spirit to help fill us to be his witnesses. If we want to be good at disciple making, we need the Holy Spirit. If we need to be good at sharing the gospel, we need the Holy Spirit. We need his power at work in the church like never before. I said it when I was praying, but I believe it with all my heart, is that there's no greater force in this world than a church full of the Holy Spirit preaching the gospel. There's no greater force. That'll transform this whole community. If you and I as believers keep our commitment to reading the word of God, praying, but then couple that with going and sharing the good news, that's going to change Pagosa Springs. That's going to change this community. I believe that. Do you believe that? But we do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. I felt like there's something else I needed to say there that I wanted to remind us. Um, I guess it's this, is that we have good news to share. We have good news. You turn on the TV, you go to the news channel. That's not where I go for good news, right? It's discouraging. There's real world problems. But you, can I tell you that the gospel is the real world answer? It's the hope of humanity. And we've got to stake our lives on it. We've got to believe that this word of God that changed me is able to change this community. You know, I heard it said one time, Charles Spurgeon, who was a famous pastor, famous preacher in England, he, he had a school, I think, at one time, and he, he had one of his students come to him and said, you know, I, when I go out and share the gospel, people, people don't get changed. You know, these are my words. I'm trying to remember how the, and, and Charles Spurgeon says, well, do you think that everyone you go and, and share the gospel with is going to be changed? And he's like, oh, of course not. And Charles Spurgeon looked at him and said, that's exactly why you're not seeing people changed. We have to believe that politics aren't going to solve the world's problems. We have to believe that the Word of God remains the only hope and truth for humanity. We have to believe that this gospel that I go and share with people actually can change their life forever. We have to believe that if a, if a person devotes themselves to God, says, Holy Spirit, come and fill my life, fill me so that I can be an, a witness for you, that he will do it. We have to believe that again. We have to hold on to, the, we got to cradle this Bible against our heart and say, God, let it be true in me. Let this gospel resonate through me so much so that it changes my family. It changes the situation. It changes our city and our nation. I, I believe it. That's why we're going somewhere else across the world. Not because we chose it, but because God called us. And I believe wholeheartedly that he wants to do the same thing in each one of us as believers in Christ. That wherever, if we're at our workplaces, you just begin to pray for your friends. You begin to pray for your coworkers and take the opportunity when it presents itself. The gospel requires us to open our mouth, right? As an ambassador, an ambassador is one who represents a country to another country, right? But they need to understand the customs. They need to understand the language of the other culture if they're going to be effective of communicating their home culture, and we need to do the same. We need to have this understanding of what the gospel says and to be able to share it verbally. Let me tell you, I, I, there's a book called Missionary God, Missionary Bible um, out there, and it's a, good, it's a good devotional. I've only read part of it, but our, our friend that's a retired missionary read a part of it, and she told us the story in there that the author was talking about the, what is, is said to be a, a quote by Francis of Assisi, 
And he was kind of saying I, that he doesn't necessarily believe it's actually quoted right by him. But we've all heard this, preach the gospel everywhere and when necessary, use words, right? And it sounds good and it, sound, and it kind of makes sense. But what the author was saying in this, what the author is saying is he says, no, we actually got to open our mouths sometime and share the truth. And he used an example of a missionary who said, I'm going to go over to China and I'm just going to live differently. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to live differently and people will know Jesus. And so he goes over there and he lives there for years. And one day his neighbor, a Chinese neighbor, invites him over and he's like, this is it. He's seen me live. He goes over to the house and the, and, and the man says, let me ask you something. Are you a vegetarian? <laughs> and... and and it's funny, but it's also really sad because the neighbor had noticed that he had a garden and that he was, that's what he did. And so the things that we think we're communicating at times, yeah, live your life. I mean, if you don't live your life as an example, what you say isn't going to make any sense either, right? There is a definite, your words have to match your life, but don't, 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 don't buy into the lie that you don't have to say anything. We got to say something. Jesus committed to us the message of reconciliation. The message, right? I got to give a message. I got to say something. And so what a, yeah, that's, a, that's enough said on that one. The fourth point that I see in Paul's life is that Paul had a commitment to defend and protect the church. Defend and protect the church. If you read, I, I, I do have favorite books of the Bible, and my favorite parts of the Bible are the letters that Paul wrote. Or, or any of the disciples, any letter that, you know, that Peter wrote or John wrote or Paul wrote, I just love those letters because he's just constantly saying, guys, stay true to the faith. I'm not telling you to do anything else besides live for Jesus, love Jesus, and make him known. Isn't that encouraging, kind of? Like, to me, I love the fact that it's like, you don't read the Bible further, and then it's like, okay, you have Jesus, now let's add all this other stuff. Paul and the other disciples are saying, you have Jesus, stay true. Make him known. I love it. I love the simplicity and the beauty of the gospel. So Paul had this deep passion to make sure that people lived according to the word of God. Listen to what, you know, the book of Galatians is a strong, uh, as Paul, he's, it's full of really strong words of Paul saying, who has bewitched you that you should so quickly turn from the gospel? Like, come back to your senses and just come back to Christ. But we also read in 2 Corinthians 11.2, this is what Paul says. He says, I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. Are we committed to seeing the church walk in purity and faithfulness to the true gospel? Do we desire to see the church walk in the unity of the Holy Spirit? Are we doing all that we can to promote unity, live biblical lives, and love one another? Or are we still talking maliciously behind each other's backs or, and jealous of one another? May the Holy Spirit purge us here and now of any thoughts or motives or actions that would compromise the purity, the doctrine, and the witness of the church. May we, may we repent if we have been party to any form of division or backbiting. And may God here and now purify us with His holy fire so that we rise as one body to defend the cause of Christ and perfect holiness out of reverence for Christ. Now is the time to unite under the banner of Christ alone. Now is the, the time to fight the good fight of faith and finish the race to the glory of God. 
the last and final commitment that I see in Paul's life is that Paul had a commitment to finish the race. I said it earlier, Paul may not have started well. Praise God. <laughs> That's a, I'm glad because I didn't start well, right? But Paul finished the race well. You know, if you read in 2 Timothy, that, that letter that Paul wrote from prison to his son in the faith, he's saying, man, I ran the race. I kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of life that will be given to all who have been faithful. I, when, I was in, when I lived in Hawaii, a friend, Adrian, a guy named Adrian and I, we decided we'd run the Great Aloha Race. And it's an eight-mile race where you run from downtown Honolulu and you run all the way to the Aloha Stadium. And for those of you guys who like football, that's where they play the Pro Bowl often. And so it was an eight-mile race, and we, we dressed in Aloha shirts, and we looked goofy, and we were just there to have some fun. And I remember getting to the end of this eight-mile race, and I'm, like, pretty worn out. You know, mile seven, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if I can make it. But so I'm running, tired, and I have my head down like this. <laughs> And there's this guy off to the side, and he says, keep your head up. That's what he says. Keep your head up. And, and I'm like, okay. I, like, and he's saying, it'll help you get oxygen in your lungs, you know. And so I'm like, I'm, he sounds like he knows better than I do. So I look up, and I'm running, and I just see the stadium. It's right there. And I'm like, okay, I can make it. I can make it, right? And what we read in Paul's letters, he, re, he writes to the Colossians, and he's pretty much telling them, keep your head up. You're running a race. You're striving for righteousness. You're striving to make a difference for the glory of God, to make your mark. And this is what he says is in, in the book of Colossians 3, 1 through 4, he says this, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Keep your head up. The only way that I believe we can endure hardship is, one, we have the Holy Spirit, and two, is that we keep our head and our hearts on heaven. There is a future reward for the people of God. And the only way that you can endure hardship, that you can go through temptation and pain and, and sorrow, is that you keep your heart and your mind set on heaven, what matters. This world will one day pass away, right? If Jesus doesn't come back soon or before we, one day I'm going to die, right? This body's going to age out. But the Bible says that the man who does the will of God, the man or woman who does the will of God will endure, will live forever, lives forever. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life wishy-washy in a temporary, tiny portion when eternity is forever. And that what I do in this life matters for eternity. I want to I make sure, and I'm not perfect by any means, but one thing I do as I strive toward the prize, I run the race. And that's what I want to call each of us today to remember, make, share the gospel, open your mouth. Let that word be true. Let your life be a reflection of what you believe. Two, make disciples. Bring someone alongside you. Many people in your lifetime that you just invite over to the house and have dinner with and then begin to model what it looks like to live for Christ. Three, I want preach the gospel when it seems favorable and when it doesn't, even in the face of opposition. 
even when people curse at you. I've had that happen recently, <laughs> you know? But make that commitment. The fourth thing is defend and protect the church. You can do that by being at church, by being committed to a body of believers and promoting the unity and the love of the Holy Spirit, the love of God inside of you and for one another. Four uh, or five, finish well. Finish well. That's, what all, that's all that matters is that we finish this race well. And God gives us everything we need to do that and we, as we rely on Him. Let me read uh, from Hebrews 12. You know, when I ran into that stadium um, there at the Aloha Stadium, uh, they had the tunnel. You ran through the tunnel and you ran out on the field, and that's where the finish line was. And it was, it was, it was really cool to run out on a stadium like that. And it, it reminds me of uh, what the Bible tells us in, in Hebrews 12. In Hebrews 11, we read about these great men and women of the faith who endured hardship, who, um, who stood up for, for God and, and His promise. <clears throat> so there's, it lists all these people, all these people that were great, who kept the faith. And then it says this to us. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and, let this, and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Today, that's what I want to encourage us and I want to call us back to is a fresh commitment to Jesus a fresh commitment to lay down the things that would easily entangle us, the sin that wants to bind us and wants to put, to put us to death. Instead, we want to live our lives for the glory of God and finish well. I, I, I promise you, you have every necessary tool with, by the Holy Spirit's help to make an impact for the cause of Christ. I believe that wholeheartedly, that Jesus, it's, it's, it's better that Jesus isn't roaming the earth sharing this gospel by himself. It's better that he instead he finished the work and committed the message to us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it awesome that God by his spirit lives in you as a believer? So today I want us to pray and ask uh, God to speak to us. I want us, you to have a moment to ask the Lord, is there anything that's hindering me in my walk with you? Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you want to check out more of our messages, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Just search Open Door Pagosa. Our ministry is made possible by the faithful generosity of people just like you. If you were blessed by this morning's message and want to partner with what the Lord is doing in Pagosa Springs, find us at opendoorpagosa.com. Here you can give and stay connected with everything we are doing as a church.